Okay. Introduce us, please, Maestro. Hi. 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 <laughs> Hi. <laughs> right, let's start again. Start Hello. Again. From the top. <clears throat> Howdy. Cut. <laughs> start again. Salutations. You are listening, hearing in your ears, the show that is Mobile Couch. And this is a show, apparently, where we talk about mobile development, the kind that is for mobile devices and other kinds, apparently. I Depends did, on how I you did some work in a coffee shop today. Is you did mobile? some work on this couch. That's, That's that pretty is mobile. mobile. Yeah. If only the couch was actually on wheels or something, and that would have been perfect because you would have been mobile developing whilst mobile and, on and, a couch. And I could have taken it to the coffee shop. And you're not taking my couch to the coffee shop. The couch has already been around Canberra, though. It was in the video, the little green one, yeah. Unlike me. This show is hosted by Jake McMullen. Hello. And Ben Trengrove. Hello. And myself, Jelly, a.k.a. Daniel Farrelly. This is episode number 47. 47. Wow. We're getting old. Hey, Ben, you're already starting to sound a bit like a Brit, or was that on purpose? I, I, I think I kind of like half decided to sound like one and then bailed out. Okay. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's, That's why it half sounded like one. Yeah, okay. I thought yeah, you were just picking up an accent. I don't think so. Maybe. Emma is. Really? So maybe I'm picking it up from her. Yeah. Well, but to she, be fair, she's, to be fair uh, she's originally English, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. And she works with, you know, she goes to work in an office with English people, so unlike me. Yeah, I swear I, talk, I talked in an English accent when I worked over there, just to ingratiate myself with people. Yeah. Right. I'd be like, trust me, I'm one of you. Did, did you say, did you call lots of people governor? Yes. <laughs> you were probably doing it wrong. <laughs> I don't think I've heard anyone call. This is like chuck another shrimp on the barbie. Like, yeah. We don't even or, say shrimp. Like, I don't think English people say governor. Or like 90% of what people say that Australians say that we don't say. Like budgie smugglers. We only usually... Oh, that's like a state thing, isn't it? Isn't that like Victoria or something? Is it? I don't know. All I The only other time I ever actually hear it being used is in reference to... Our Prime Minister. Our Prime Minister. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, true. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. Anyway, let's not get political. (laughs) Let's not get political about budgie smugglers. Uh, let's do follow-up instead. Okay. So, in regards to stuff from last week's episode... You mean last episode's episode? Last episode's episode. The episode that happened... The f- Well, it's... Here's the thing. It's, it, it's like we, we record on the off week, so it's... It's the one that aired last week. It is last week. week. But by the time... But it's actually these, two weeks ago, these, so, you know, there's yeah. that. Uh, anyway, so, feedback in regards... Not feedback, follow-up in regards to last episode from last fortnight. Excellent. We talked about Swift style yes. um, and whether or not people were starting to settle on a sort of, a, you know, a, a style that was commonly adopted. Right. Um, and some people uh, sent us links to their Swift style guides. Just one more to add to the mix. GitHub have published a Swift style guide on their website. So we'll put the link in the show notes. It's just github.com slash github slash Swift style guide. That's kind of like when I tried to read my um, my radar number. Yeah. Out. Yeah. Just look in the show notes. Yeah. Just, just tap the on that thing. The show, notes are, <laughs> the show notes for everybody that's listening is mobilecouch.co forward slash 47. One of the things I really like about GitHub's Swift style guides 
is that they, at the very top of the Star Guide, they outline what their sort of rationale is for coming up with the recommendations in their Star Guide. So basically, um, they've listed four things that they're, four goals that they're trying to achieve in priority order. And the first is that they want increased rigor and decreased likelihood of programmer error. Rigor! And decreased likelihood of programmer error. Rigor! Secondly, they want increased clarity of intent. Third is reduced verbosity. And four is fewer debates about aesthetics. And five is rigor. Cool. I can get behind all of those. And I like the idea that they make it clear. And then they go through and list a whole heap of recommendations like um, use tabs, not spaces, and files with a new line, yada, yada. Um, avoid using forced unwrapping of optionals. Um, and then they, after each of the recommendations, they explain the rationale for making that recommendation. So I think it's really nice that not only have they sort of listed this is the sort of approach to style that they're advocating, they're backing it up with their reasons why. Right. Um, however, I can't get behind all of their recommendations. There's some that, like, they have a controversial, in my view, um, to prefer structs over classes. Unless you require functionality that can only be provided by a class, like identity or deinitializers, implement a struct instead. And note that inheritance is by itself usually not a good reason to use classes because polymorphism can be provided by protocols and implementation reuse can be provided through composition. Which I find interesting because my default in the Swift that I've written to date has just been to write Swift a little bit like I write Objective-C and most things are classes except I use enums occasionally and structs very occasionally. That's not very Swifty of you. No, it's probably not. Mm. And um, I guess that makes sense because it's a new language and it's new to me and I'm still learning learning the language and learning the way I want to use it. Um, yeah, but yeah, fair. there's some other stuff in here that I can really get behind. Um, so I encourage everyone to look at it. It, look, it looks good. I guess using structs, like Swift's all about trying to write, be more functional and write stateless code, right? So, well, is it? Structs are passed by value. So maybe that helps you encourage stateless code. I don't necessarily think it's true that, like, it's about being more functional and writing stateless code. I don't, I think, I think it allows for that. I don't think it's like that's what it's about, though. This is something that I'm finding difficult with Swift, is I'm not sure how opinionated it is about exactly these questions. I agree that it's not a particularly opinionated language in the first place, right? I mean, you've got things like optional uh, semicolons at the end of lines, Mm. which to be, which is very unopinionated, right? Like you, you choose one. JavaScript is also like that, right? It has it has optional, optional semicolons. semicolons. I know and they're terrible, but people do semicolons in them because older browsers, some older browsers require semicolons because it breaks otherwise. Yeah, I can kind of understand why you would do sem- optional sem- semicolons in that uh, it's useful for when you decide to write code like multiple lines of code on one line for whatever reason. I, I yeah. d- don't do that. Uh, but like even then, if 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 they're if they're optional, don't don't do them. But yeah, Swift. Is, my point is, Swift isn't particularly opinionated about anything, and I don't think it's all about making you know more functional code. I think it allows for that, and it certainly means that people don't have to use libraries and stuff like that to get uh, to get functional programming like they have previously with objectives. Objective C, but I don't think it's whatever. Yeah, but then 
I don't, I don't, I don't but write like Swift. So. Writing stateless code is a good thing anyway. Like it doesn't have to be because of Swift. Like right. It, and that's probably something we already do. So maybe that's where the whole, I was just saying that's maybe where the struct thing comes from because yeah, they pass by value. I think it probably is. Maybe. And, I, and I think you're both right that I think Swift makes, has much greater support for functional programming than Objective-C does. So you could, if you want to adopt that approach, you know, go in a more functional direction with it. Yeah, but I think so. The GitHub uh, style guide is yeah another another one that I have enjoyed reading and I will refer to from time to time. Um, and I still haven't settled into my own style because I think I need to write more code and I guess read other more of other people's Swift code before I settle down into what I think makes the most sense. I think we're all learning still. Oh, we're always always learning. I mean, that's the whole. That's like that's the thing with. I mean, with this, especially with this show. We we don't claim we don't claim that we're experts on anything. We're just learning. Exactly. Have I mentioned yet on the show a blog post I read about Swift that was quite interesting? I don't believe you have. It was from a guy that worked at a company that writes software for ro- robots. Robots. Oh yeah. He works for robots. Brad Larson. Yeah. Brad. So it was it was retweeted by um, Chris Latner. Yep. Um, so he retweeted it, which is where I saw it. And it was a blog post where they had reviewed. Uh, so a new programmer was joining the organization and the programmer who had written most of the code to date sat down with her and the two of them did a kind of review of all of the bugs that he had shipped in his code when he'd written it um, and what had been the cause of them. And they identified that like a large percentage of those bugs would not have been possible in Swift. So they ended up deciding to uh, switch to Swift. I think progress. I saw, it, saw this tweeted somewhere. Yeah, mm. I retweeted it. It was kind so of it was kind of interesting. Online. Like I think that um, you know, I think there's something there. I find myself having fewer unexpected crashes in the code that I've been writing lately. I've been writing Swift. I yeah. certainly still get crashes from time to time, but I feel like I find them much sooner. Like um. You know, like I failed to connect a binding in my, from my storyboard to my code and I'm using a forced unwrapped optional and it will crash straight away. But I'm getting fewer of those. Yeah, like, I, I like app. that. Yeah. That was one of the things in the blog post about one of his major crashes was just he forgot to hook up an outlet or something and then they ship it and it doesn't pop up in Objective-C because it's just like messaging nil. But in Swift it crashes. Yeah, exactly. But and whilst um, it might not pop up straight away in Objective C, it ends up exhibiting in a bug that causes. I think he had an example of where one of these bugs they'd failed to hook up um, something from the UI that was providing a value that the user would enter to configure a robot, and so instead the robot was operating with a default value, which caused it to like dance. No, do something that would destroy the robot. Dance, and they oh, went wow. through thousands of dollars of robots before they found the bug. And went, oh, whoops. Dang. Mm. Anyway, um, whether or not, you know, that same would be true for everyone's code base, I thought it was interesting. Well, we should throw the article into the show notes regardless. Yes, so you should. should you will have to find that. I will. And add it to the show notes. Okay. I will do that. Okay. I'm still using Objective-C. That's in my most days. I, I, I went even so far as I, I wrote a bespoke app the other day to uh in for, for as part of a topic for later 
Aren't all your apps bespoke? <sighs> Handcrafted. Yes, but you know what I mean. Like that Artisanal. sort of. <laughs> you know what I mean? That sort of thing where like you create an app that nobody is ever, else is ever going to have use for. Right. Yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. But uh, I I wrote an Objective C because I, even though I could possibly like it was super super simple and yet I and I could have written it in Swift and used it as a as a testing point, but. I did have other points, other things that I was going for, so I just went for the yeah. what I'm used to. I can completely understand, but I guess that's why I've maybe rushed too quickly into Swift. Yes. is that I wanted to get myself over that. Like I, in the past, I've so I found that that um, the cost of climbing that learning curve. Am I mixing metaphors there? No, I think that is worth a single metaphor. The difficulty of. Yeah, that that the, there is a bit of a learning curve, yeah. and the, when you start climbing it, uh, there's it slows you down, and you've got to wear that at some point. Um, and sometimes I feel like, and maybe this is not the case with Swift, um, because it was changing so dramatically that the sooner you tried to, you know, the curve yeah, yes, yeah, so I when when you say that you jumped in too early, like I think you definitely jumped in too early for that, to, like for that to be the reason. But at the same time, I, like this is the difference between you and you and I. I am very, I'm very held back about jumping into something like something completely and utterly new that is going to change everything about my code, like Swift. Uh, I'm I'm very uh, trepidation. I have trepidation. That's the word I was looking for uh, about is- jumping into Swift. But that, like, uh, and I mean, that's probably. I've probably got too much trepidation no, I don't about know. it. I think it's but completely at the same legitimate. Time, like, I think I'm, just, I'm maybe just too gung ho because I enjoy novelty. I'm hanging out. I think until I can, you know, get. Especially, I'm still working on gift wrapped, and I want to get through gift wrapped. And mm. I don't really see the point in having three three different languages um, jumping around in my head all at once. The other one being PHP because I oh, do right, web yeah. stuff yeah. at work on a regular day yeah. basis. PHP. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's a that's a language, is it? That is. Uh, it's it's <laughs> sorry, kind of on there. It's very very loosely like a language, but it is a language. You can write things in it. Hey, I've been doing some server-side development <laughs> with uh with uh with platforms as a service. So services indeed, as indeed. a service. Java, JavaScript, not PHP. Yes. Oh, well, I do JavaScript too, but I do mostly client-side JavaScript anyway. Um, let's continue with our follow-up. Let's not get sidetracked okay. onto other things. But like anyway. That's 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 all I've got to say about Swift. Okay. I will I will eventually get there, but it probably won't be for a while. We also got an email uh, from James James Martinez, and thank you for your email, James. He says, "For the three of you, where do you get most of your information? What blogs do you read? What podcasts do you listen to?" Well, so there are three questions there. Please answer whichever ones you like. Where do you get all of your information? What blogs do you read? Well, I think what I think it comes down do right. To? It's I think it's really one thing, right? It's like where do we, what when we're preparing for a show. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yes. <sighs> yes. When we're preparing for a show, where do we get our information from? Like we talk about Swift all the time. My so head. <laughs> well, this is the thing, right? I think this is the answer because. Uh, that's actually a legit answer because a lot of the time it is coming from our head. Yep. Um, most of the stuff that we talk about uh, is stuff that we're dealing with on a regular basis, right? Because we're the three of us all write 
code, like writing apps and writing mobile code on a regular basis, mm. daily usually, mm. uh, somewhat less than daily for me because it sometimes, like I do it on the side at the moment, but you know, anyway, beside the point. So we're doing it on a regular basis. So most of it, like, I mean, for starters, the topics that come up on the show with, uh, we, we can't kind of come up because of whatever we're working on, whether that be beacons or Swift <laughs> or uh, could be the other way around. Or whatever. Might, might be that we work on beacons. Speaking for myself, might be that I work on beacons because I like them so much. <laughs> I find opportunities to use them everywhere and talk about them everywhere. Uh, anyway, so like a lot of the times, it does come up that we uh, we talk about stuff that we're actually dealing with, and so we're talking about stuff from experience. Mm. Um. I guess I, yeah, most of the stuff I feel like I talk about on the show is just, as you say, things that have been occupying my mind. Like beacons. Since the last show. Like and Swift. And Swift and other things that occupy my mind. And beacons. Did I um, mention beacons? did. <laughs> Interestingly, I haven't, oh, I've done a little bit with beacons this, uh, since the last show. Um, and uh, most of that comes from what I've been working on. Um, also, I guess I try and, uh, take in as much as I can about this stuff generally. So, um, you know, I I follow other developers on Twitter. Absolutely. I notice things that, that people link to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, generally I, I use Twitter favorites, not probably in the way that they're not intended to be used, but just to flag something to myself for potential future follow-up. Yeah, like, like a read know. later. I do that Like too. a read later. Like I, I see something kind of scrolling past saying, oh, that looks interesting. If I get a minute at some point where I need something to read and I've got some time, I might come to it. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, I don't have regular blogs that I go and visit, but there's quite a lot that I end up finding links to on Twitter um, through things people have shared. And if I read about a programming technique or a framework or something new that I haven't tried, um, I'm more likely to then think, of a reason to use it in my work. So if I come across a problem in my work and it'll trigger something, oh, I remember I was reading something about that the other week. Um, and then that might be something we talk about. So, yep. yeah, a lot of the stuff comes from people I follow on Twitter. Um, and I do listen to a bunch of podcasts. I, I do been- as well. Well, I mean, I listen to a couple. So I listen to Developing Perspective by David Smith. And he talks a lot about a lot of different things. Um and it's really, I find it really useful, and he has a lot of good insights about various things. Yeah. At the moment, he's on a watch kit kick, which is which is you know good. And yeah. um, I'm I'm learning about a little bit about you know watch kit just based on the things that he's writing and reading. He's doing a series at the moment called As I Learn Watch Kit, which is aptly named because he's learning watch kit. That's pretty cool. I might have to uh, um, start listening to that one. I I listen to ATP, which is kind of. Uh, like they, when they talk about programming stuff, it's usually to do with Marco's experience with writing Overcast, but it's usually packaged in such a way that it's kind of not really particularly useful for a developer. Yeah, I think they're trying to cater to a more it's a an wider audience wider audience that is not just developers. See, and they're kind a of... tech show, and we are a we are a development show that is classified as a tech show in Overcast. Right, there you go. Yeah. Look, it's just good that we're classified. I'm not complaining. Look, I'm I'm not complaining either. We're we're very, very lucky. I love it when they talk <laughs> programming though. I wish they would do it more. I like I'd like to hear um I want to hear like some of you know, the nitty gritty 
server-side stuff that John Syracuse does, or I want to hear more about Casey's C-sharp. And I don't know. I, I'd love to hear the three of them do a programming podcast where they talk about, I don't know, different approaches to... We should do a crossover show where they come and do Mobile Couch and they talk about programming. Yeah, and we that'd go be and great. We, try and make a, we, we go and try and make ATP and completely fail. Yep. Like, you know, maybe they could have a code, <laughs> code reuse, a polymorphic like yep. composition or inheritance. Discuss. No, maybe. I don't know. They do about as much uh, much preparation as we do, though. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> um, but the other development, more development-focused podcasts I listen to uh, include Debug, um, which is kind of sometimes, it's more of an interview show where they have various guests from week to week and they talk about their experience programming. So how they came to you know, become someone that does programming um, and cover off various technical things. Although sometimes they get quite in-depth mm. into the technology. I have a tendency to listen to that when I'm, when I'm curious about the personal thing that they're talking about mm. on a week-to-week basis. I listened to Edge Cases by Andrew Pontius and Will French, and that is probably the one that's, you know, um, even more than us. Maybe it's quite this is quite easy. Uh, focused on actual programming topics. We're just focused on beacons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, core Intuition. Yes. With, uh, Daniel Jalcut and Manton Reese. These are all good shows. Um, Iterate, which is a design focused on mobile design in the way that Debug is focused on mobile development. Do you listen to Coco Radio by Justin Williams? Okay, I'll add it to my list. That's a good one. Do you one. have any listen shows that, that you listen to other than that one? Um, no, not that are development related. I also subscribe to Android Weekly, um, yep. which is like a they collect up articles from the week, send it yep. to your email. Uh, I read Ennis Hipster. Mm-hmm. I use Zite, which is like a news aggregating sort of app, yep. and that will pop up cool articles of the week. Um, that's about it, though, for what hasn't been mentioned. So I think there's one thing that kind of like that that's a sort of like wider view stuff. And typically, like, uh, you know, podcasts are useful for g- getting general information so that you can kind of get a basic understanding of it and then go and go away and kind of learn more about it or whatever. Um, it's it's kind of to whet your appetite, I guess. I think the one of the most important things in my mind is... Uh, is when we go to Cocoa Heads. So we've the last few times, the last few episodes, we've mentioned Cocoa Heads in regards to the bet which I won. <laughs> what was that? The Did bet. You? I won a bet. You won a bet. You, yeah, against you. And uh, no, it was. I don't remember that. <laughs> so, um, but the 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 point being is that like I, especially considering how how siloed I am in particular, and I know you you guys oh, are look, as well. I think a lot of people that do iOS development, um, the teams tend to be a lot smaller. I mean, it probably reflects well on the platform and the technologies and the frameworks yeah. that an individual working largely on their own can develop apps of quite a lot of sophistication, um, publish them in the App Store. But the flip side of that is that it it is possible if you don't make extra effort that you could go through your whole sort of development life without talking to other people about how they approach similar problems. Or mm. and Cocoa Heads is great for that. So if people haven't don't know of Cocoa Heads, it's kind of like a global, I want to say movement. It's sort of a, a global club, a collection of clubs it's loosely a, it's affiliated a, around the world. It's the thing where people where people in various cities get together and they talk about or learn about 
uh, like development with for Apple stuff. Yeah, typically Coco basically, Coco basically, or iOS. Yeah. Um, in in regards to like in regards to that, like I I think I find that it's useful in many many ways, other than the fact that like. I mean, Canberra is very different to a lot of other cocoa heads because we don't, we're not quite as uh, as structured as most other ones, where they have uh, like actual presentations and talk about stuff, hey, which we, is we, very useful. We had a presentation last, uh, which is very week. useful. I'm not, and you, you, your presentation was not about beacons, so no, I no, appreciate I, that. <laughs> it wasn't me presenting last week, either. but also there was that there was that presentation last week from uh, from one of the guys about uh, profiling. And um, like it's very useful. That sort of stuff is very useful. We're still not as structured as most of the big ones, where it's mostly, uh, mostly presentations. Anyway, but even just like talking to other developers, talking to the other guys there about problems that they're having with 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 the code that they're working on, I find that it's really really useful when I because I go away and I inevitably think about mm. how I might solve that problem. Yeah. Uh, and Which is kind of how I mean that's how the bet started in the first place, right? Because you have had a pro- you were having a problem. I kind of went, well, I think I can solve that, and so I like I went away and worked on it. Yeah, I think that Cocoa Heads is good in for that in two ways, both in terms of the low level programming tasks like that you mentioned, a particular issue, and other people who may have had similar experiences or different experiences or think of a different approach to it will let you know. But also high level stuff like um ideas for apps. I know that a, right. couple, a couple of the people were talking at the most recent Cocoa Heads about, you know, an app idea and subsequent to the to the meeting, you know, people have sort of said, hey, you're right, that would be a really good idea of taking my app in a different direction that, that they hadn't previously considered. So, yeah, I think having opportunities to catch up with other developers and just chat is great. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably where we get our information from. Is it, one of the questions is, uh, what blogs do you read? I don't read a lot of blogs anymore. No, I, I tend I to I read the follow... occasional post, but not like... Yeah, I don't use um, an RSS reader anymore. I don't subscribe to a particular person's blog. I guess if I'm interested in someone's point of view, I will tend to follow that person on Twitter. And then if they link to things they've written, I'll read it. If they link to things that they read of someone else's, I'll read that as well. Hmm. That's probably it. We can move on. We can actually talk about stuff and things. Fantastic. So, th- this kind of uh, update that I'm working on for GiveWrapped is uh, one of the things that's behind that is that I'm trying to I'm trying to write I'm I'm trying to update my app with extensions and we've talked about this a little bit before. So we've talked about like how there are other apps out there already that use like keyboard extensions and stuff like that, and there are other extensions that I want to implement, like a way to bring stuff into you into the app and et cetera, et cetera. In response to an email that I got from Jake earlier on, uh, earlier on in the fortnight, I I decided I needed to actually. I kind of went, well, I sh- probably should just write one. I, I it's this is the trepidation that I was talking about earlier. I have trepidation about jumping into anything new, and so I sat down and I was like, okay, I'm gonna write one. I'm gonna write one before the before the episode. Uh, I'm gonna do it. It's gonna be awesome, and I'm it's it's gonna be in gift wrapped, and I'm gonna ship it in the beta. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> well, I sat down. See, the, here's the thing. I sat down to do it, and uh, and I tried to set set it up. And um, so I had. I mean, I've kind of spent the last few months preparing for it, preparing for putting extensions in by separating my model out and doing all this work to kind of prepare my code base to for essentially for you know to put everything into. Uh, 
frameworks, shared code, and etc. Yeah. So can we recap a little bit? Because I actually still don't know as much about the extensions as I would like. Yeah. Basically, the the, the uh, prior to iOS eight, your app was a single bundle mm-hmm. containing executable code and resources that that code uses. Yeah, and it just pretty much just it was an app. So your app opened up, it ran, it took over the entire phone essentially, like as yeah. far as the user could tell. And that was really the only time your your code could run. There right. Various background modes. No, background modes, modes that could run uh, in response to various things. You yeah. could run stuff uh, while audio is playing or you could respond to a push notification, etc. And cetera. in those instances, um, even though it's a backgrounding mode, your whole app process was launched. Like it's still the same. App. I don't know that it was a whole process, but it was definitely like you loaded up, you just didn't display a, UI. like a UI. Yeah. And so... I'm not sure if it was a whole process or not. I'm not super knowledgeable about that. I have not had to write much with background processes. Yeah. Uh, my understanding is... I think it's pretty much the whole is app maybe is running app. almost in the same way as if a user had launched it. Like with beacons, for example, <laughs> um, you register a delegate for your core location, location manager. Right. And um, that delegate doesn't need to be, say, your app delegate. It can be just any class in your app. Mm-hmm. And if you enter the range of a beacon, your app will be launched and that class that you registered will be given, you know, the delegate method. So you may, you know, you, you, that class might only exist as the result of a bunch of other classes in your app being instantiated and calling one another and finally getting to the one that you set up as the delegate for the location manager. So it's like, yeah, it seems like it's a full launch pretty much of your app um, into the background so the UI is not showing, which kind of feels like a pretty heavyweight thing. Cause, so iOS 8 has changed this, and now there's possible for some of your code to run separate from the whole app. Right. That's and in fact, it runs in like an, a separate process. Yeah. And it runs – the thing that causes it to run is not your app at all. It's – because it runs under an extension context. I can't remember the exact term, but it like something else. So the uh whatever app is running that, that you know that the user is actually using uh basically gives some form of UI to for the user to select an extension. Um let's say they open their share sheet or whatever and then they you know tap one of the icons that represents your extension. Um, that extension, like, it's not their app running your extension. It's their app running a thing that runs your app's yeah. extension. Yeah. And so it's kind of it's kind of separated and all sandboxed out and yeah. kind of made into this whole other structure. Yeah. But in terms of t- to do that, right, that that obviously leads to structuring your code. You have to structure it a very way. different way. Yeah. And so I've been I've kind of known this since June at DubDub um, when I sat in the extension things and went yes this is amazing i'm gonna do this and then it's taken me six months to actually even get to a point where i'm even capable of doing it to be fair i've done a lot of other work in the meantime and so i sat down to do it and completely failed mostly because i realized that most of my app is not structured in a way that's going to be useful i can start an extension i can stick it in the app and i can kind of make it make it do stuff um but in order to make it actually useful i either have to refer to code that i already have uh somehow 
which means putting it into some form of shared thing or yep. attaching it to that bundle as well as the other bundle or whatever. Anyway, um, which kind of becomes this kind of spaghetti of code, which is terrible a terrible idea. Just copy-paste it. Well, yeah. <laughs> I could just write the whole, like, write all of my UI code and all of my model code and everything from scratch just for the extension, which is a terrible idea too. I realized that, you know, for, so for stuff that I wanted to use, like if I want to show, as an example, I want to show a thing uh, from Safari that lets you import all your GIFs, which is the one that I started writing. I thought, this is going to be super easy. I'll just make it happen. Um, you know, ideally it would, you know, parse the HTML, find the GIFs. So you can do Safari show. extensions. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. So then it will show you, a, like I'd show you a like a collection view, just like you get in the app where you could select the ones that you want and import them all at once. Yep. Sounds like a great feature. Yeah, it would be a great feature. But, I mean, I, I, there's a lot to kind of going on there. I'd have to, you know, do I write a collection view from scratch? Do I write a data controller from scratch? I've already spent six months, you know, f- perfecting the ones that I've got. Why not share them? So I've kind of come to this thing where I've got to decide whether or not I want to share code properly in frameworks and move away from iOS 7, which is... Yes, I think you. I don't think you could sensibly add an extension of that complexity. Yeah, while still supporting iOS seven, they'll still be able to download the old version. Yeah, I know, I know. But I just, you know, I've, I was, I've been trying to kind of go ahead with this update whilst also, uh, you know, supporting iOS seven. Yeah, so I think I'm going to have to make the decision to just go iOS eight only. uh, To clarify that, um, a listener wrote in to tell us after a previous show that you can ship an app that has an extension and the app will run on iOS 7. So it is yeah. possible. But I think that the the thing to be really clear about here is that um, that extension is not going to run on iOS 7. Right. Um, and iOS 7 doesn't support frameworks. So on a, in order to do that, the code in your app must be entirely contained within your app and therefore any code that the extension needs to run which is separate from the app, is kind of in some ways has to be duplicated if you're going to support seven and eight, right? And that seems kind of nuts to me. Well, like, I, I mean, I I considered the idea, the option of like maybe if I put some of it, like some of the UI stuff and some of the base model stuff that doesn't actually do any stuff with the model itself. So like the data controller that just is you know generic is a generic kind of base class that I yeah. use. Um. I could stick that in a static library. That might work. I could just tie both to the... But it still seems like... So can extensions load static libraries? I don't I thought know they, they could only load frameworks. I don't know that they can. I don't actually know. I didn't try it. I considered doing it and kind of went, well, here's the thing. Like, eventually I'm going to drop iOS 7. So then do I, like, as part of my like my trans- transfer over to just iOS 8 or possibly iOS 8 and iOS 9... Yep. Do I then move everything into frameworks, or do I just keep using static libraries because, well, I've already got it set up? Yes. So, so I think I'm just kind of delaying the inevitable here. Yeah. So I'm just gonna. I think I'm just gonna go with iOS eight only, and the new GIFRAPT will have extensions in it that will be super useful, but yeah. people won't be able to use. I'd be interested if anyone else so, out there listening has developed a non-trivial extension and still supporting iOS 7, whether there was some way you could manage to share code between your extension and your app on iOS 8, but without leaving code out of your app 
that your app needs on iOS 7. If, that makes sense. if you if you have an app out there that's in the App Store that is actually doing doing like both iOS 7 and iOS 8 has extensions in it that are you know useful, we want to hear from you. Mm. So, with that in mind, I realized that I was probably running out of time because by this point it was the weekend and uh, I had like two days before we actually recorded. So, I decided I would sit down and have a bit of a read and then build myself a bespoke app to do some some stuff that to basically replace an app that I had to delete over the weekend. Um, and... Uh, and basically, I could use, I could create a, a quick and easy share extension um, to to do you know to do something because um, there's a bunch of different extension types that you can use. Because I, I looked into like into all the extension types um, as part of my research for this, uh, and some of them I like some of them I get a bit confused about because they're they're a little weird. So uh, there there are six kinds. Not including WatchKit, which is kind of a whole different kettle of fish. Um, there are six kinds: action extension, keyboard extension, document provider extension, photo editing extension, share extension, and today extensions. That's quite a lot. Um, and they're slightly. Some of them are slightly different to each other. Like, so an action extension is an extension that can that appears in like a and like does an action on something that you give it. So it might be like a URL or a document or something like that. It appears in the like in the share sheet in the document picker or the activity controller. Yeah, so that's that upwards pointing arrow like in Safari. Yeah. I'm looking at a web page and I tap that upwards pointing arrow and I've got things like AirDrop, Message Mail, Twitter, Facebook. They're the sharing stuff. And then underneath so, yeah. I've got like print, copy, add to home screen. So on that screen, the blue, More. the coloured ones, the coloured icons are uh, a share extensions. Yep. And the action extensions are the black and white ones, or the grey okay. and white ones, right? Apparently, I've got no apps on my phone that add actions to Safari. Really? I oh, know. you have to I've click More first. Yeah. No, no, even if I... Uh, I would not be clicking my phone. <laughs> True. I would be tapping my phone. <laughs> Let's not get into that discussion sorry. again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I take it back. Um, I've got add bookmark, add to reading list, add to home screen, copy and print. Obviously, I don't have any oh, okay. ex- useful, extensible apps. What have you guys got that add things? Oh, I've got one, one password. password. I've got uh, Factor 2, which is a two-factor authentication app that I designed the icon for. Oh, nice. Uh, so that's where you could do your grab all the gifts on this page action. Yes. Well, here's the thing, right? So I that that's what I would that would be what I use it for. Um, I actually looked at... so. The bespoke that that I'm building as well, I was trying to figure out the difference between an action extension and a share extension because uh, they kind of seem similar. I think action does something in the app. Right. Share does something out of the app. Yeah. So the bespoke app that I was creating was for is basically a a quick dial thing for my wife because I, I love my wife. So she gets prime real estate on my home screen now. She gets her own button. She has her own icon. On my home screen. That's and fantastic. it's a bespoke app. The cool. app is called Melissa. Oh, isn't that sweet? And it's it's in it's like when I hold the phone one handed, yep. right under my thumb. Yep. There you go. <laughs> that's lovely. Read what, read what? into that statement what you will. <laughs> I was just gonna say there's <laughs> a joke there that I'm not gonna <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, What happens when you tap on 
Uh, so yeah. my my bespoke app at this point has a it opens up and it has five a table view with five cells one being call one being message and the three being various uh, one one of them is a farting car that's what I refer to it as it's a car with a little whoosh behind it yes there is a whole bunch of cars yeah. and vehicles yes and there is a ha- a wavy hand let can I can I guess. The farting car means I'm on my way home. All the vehicles means I'm stuck in traffic. Yep. And the wavy hand is bye. Hi. See ya. Just thinking of you. The car is I'm leaving home. Right. Because it's usually in response to when I'm going to pick her up from work. Okay. On my way, basically. The waving hand means I've arrived. Ah, nice. Mm. Anyway, so part of this app, I decided I was going to create a share extension, which if I go into a... uh an app, like let's say photos, and I open a photo, like my screenshot here of Desert Golf, where I found the cloud. There's a cloud. See, I'm I'm going to be one of those pedant, pedants, pedants, get desert golfing. Oh, whatever. Anyway, I have an action extension that shows up. Next. That... Ah, oh, there she look, is. There she Melissa. is. She is an action, a share, a uh, share extension. She, well, here's the thing, right? And this is my confusion. An action extension, the, the, they show different UI. So a share extension shows, by default at least, it shows one of those little sharing sheets, you know, like you get when you you know yeah. share with Twitter or Facebook or whatever. Yep. Uh, it will have the little thing. It'll have a text field that you can write in. I didn't get as far as replacing that. I couldn't figure it out. Um, and then I kind of stopped working on it and moved on to other things that kind of took more importance. Um, but I think I might have to do it as an action extension because that provides you with like a modal view that pops up. Interesting. Um, because I want to be able to like basically pop up a modal view that's like just a background image of some sort and then pop up a messages dialogue with that image kind of already attached and everything in it. Um, that's my plan. Did you see workflow? Because it sounds I like you've recreated workflow. something you could have made in workflow. I actually did make it in workflow first. Oh, there you go. I can't, like, how am I supposed to talk about that on a development podcast? Fair enough. <laughs> I've not seen Workflow. I've never seen it. It is really cool. Workflow is really cool. There's I'll put a link for the show notes. Yeah. It's basically to create, like, share custom share sheets and stuff, uh, custom actions. Awesome. Custom icons on your home it's screen. It's like Automator for yeah, iOS. Yeah, it is essentially Automator. Wow, that's so cool. Uh, it is very useful. You should go and buy it. I'll put a link in the show notes. That's awesome. If you haven't already seen it. Um, oh, I had never seen it before. It's like number one on the charts and featured. and Yeah, yeah. I, I don't pay attention to anything around me. It's pretty cool. So there's a whole bunch of other extensions that you can implement, like which I haven't touched yet. Like, for instance, the keyboard. There's a document provider which is used by like... Like Dropbox. Which is the whole Box.net Dropbox thing. Yeah, so they can provide... Microsoft OneDrive. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I think... So that's what that's yep. what those providers use to show up in the like the document picker thing. That's a new iOS eight thing that I've mm. never actually seen in real life. Um, photo editing extensions can show up like when you have an image so that you can you know do things to the image. And then there's today extensions. You you just did one before. I did. I wrote a today extension today. That's very matter of you. Mm. If I if I ask what I've done, my today extension here it is says the weather today. It's cloudy. Whoa! And this is this is using Ben's uh, custom 
UK weather API. Yes. Earlier it said that it's raining. Check it out. It's really accurate. It's really accurate. <laughs> uh, is it cloudy, Ben? Is yeah. it actually cloudy? Can you verify this this weather for us? Um, Here's my today extension. There is one cloud. There is one cloud. There is a cloud, so therefore it is cloudy. Yes. Yes. I, I knew that you were interested in discussing extensions today, so I did my homework. Or well, be it at 10 minutes. Well, actually, after the show was scheduled to start. I did my homework then. Yeah, we delayed the start of the show so you could this, do your this homework. This is kind of like yeah. what it was like at school as well. Had this been like <laughs> a live stream episode, everybody would have been waiting while you were, well, you were tight. They would, they would have been listening to some terrible music that I had selected. Yeah. But I didn't really want to talk about my code. I just did my homework so that I was allowed to talk about what I really wanted to talk about. Um, well, which here's, is, here's the thing. So there's, a bunch, is, of, there's what, a bunch of talk about extensions in like all over the place at the moment, right? Yes. And this is part of the reason why I wanted to talk about it because I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about it without just having having this, this, the entire show just be about Jake's opinion. Uh, yeah, that's fair uh, enough. I completely understand. But there, there's a bunch of like the extensions, and specifically today extensions, but also the document provider one was recently in the in the news. Yeah. Episode. So there's been, um, would it be fair to say, controversy in some circles about uh, Apple saying certain things are not allowed. And the ones I've been paying attention to are today extensions that have been. So the first one was uh, pcalc. It's a calculator that has a right. today extension. Yeah, so it was it launch got, center first. Yeah. Uh no, I think pcalc might have been because pcalc was like was, arrived in the App Store on day one with and iOS they, eight, and they featured it. And they featured it, and then during the time it was featured, they were the developer was told to remove the today extension or the app would be pulled and I think then they, just they reversed pull, they it. they pulled the app? I thought no. they pulled the app. I think they said... I can't remember exactly. I think they just pulled the app. I and think they removed it and then he had to submit it with a with a new thing and then they reversed it and then it's back, it's back in the app store and it's got the, the um, extension. And then more recently, what was the, the most recent one that kicked off this controversy all over again? Um, um, panic. Well, there no, was no, Panic on so iCloud Drive. Yeah, that's not the Today Extension one. There was a Today Extension one prior to Panic as well. But there was P- pa- Panic's one. Panic's one is an important one. It's because because they took they took it. They basically told Panic that they had to remove uh, they had to remove the document picker stuff because they couldn't send to iCloud because that was against the guidelines, and then that meant that they had to remove the extension usage of the like the document picker, which basically then. Uh, removed a bunch of other functionality like the ability to send to Dropbox and et cetera, all that sort of stuff. But then they got told that they could put it back in um, after this whole uproar and then they got like, and now it's back in the store. It's nice to know that um, that there's some flexibility there and that people listen to the uproar. But I guess um, what frustrated me a little bit during this debate or discussion um, is is the suggestion that there's ambiguity or confusion from Apple over what is expected. And I don't think that's as limiting the discussion to today extensions. I don't think you can limit the discussion okay. to today extensions Addressing... because I think this discussion is wider than today extensions in general. Okay. Can I just discuss today extensions first? Okay. I think if you look at today extensions, it is really clear what Apple expect, which is that 
they Apple haven't provided us as developers with a general purpose widget execution environment. They haven't said, here's a way that you can run um, some of your app's functionality, surface some of your app's functionality with its own UI in a separate spot that's easier to get to than launching your app. They haven't done that. They, other operating systems do provide that, like Android provides that. Um, you can run widgets, any kind of widget you want, um, on your home screen on Android. Right. Um, what we've got on iOS is a specific kind of extension. They've said there is a today view. Within the today, today view, if appropriate, your app can display a widget. And I think that it's really clear from the name. It's in the name there. It's not called general purpose widget container. It's called today view. And what they, what they're expecting is that people provide information about things that are relevant to today. At Apple on Apple's website, the way that they market the um, Today View, they've said, see more items in the Today View in Notification Center. For example, you could add widgets that update you on package deliveries, the latest surf reports, or breaking stories from your favorite news app. So they've given a few examples, and each of them is about something that's delivering timely information, stuff that's relevant to today. And if you look at the stuff that Apple put in the Today View, it's like traffic today, weather today, stock prices today, um, what you're doing later today from your calendar. So given that, right, that I think it's it's not ambiguous at all. It's really, really clear. Here's a spot where you can access stuff that's relevant to today, where you can surface really timely information, little snippets of, of information and functionality that is you know, pertinent to now. That doesn't strike me as somewhere that as a developer I'd go, I know, I'll put a game there, or I know, I'll put a button that conveniently launches my app. You know, ah, I remember the one that was um, controversial, Drafts, a blog posting app that had a widget that let you start to compose a new blog post. And yes, you could you could kind of say that relates to today because I want to blog today. But, you know, I think it, I don't think it's ambiguous and I kind of found it a bit, the conversation a bit strange where people were saying, oh, it's so confusing. We just don't know what Apple expects of us. I think what it is, is that as developers, we want a general purpose widget execution environment and we haven't got one. So we're trying to shoehorn them into the today view, But which in Apple's defense, they've been really clear about. But they haven't been really clear about it. Maybe they are clear in that particular sentence, but they launched the iOS 8 with an app store with a with a section on here's what you here's some apps that show off what we are doing with extensions mm. one of the today extensions was, was pcalc <laughs> yeah fair enough that is not that is not that, that unambiguous certainly muddies the waters a bit right yeah they need to make a rule then in the app store rules to say today extensions are for things that relate to today right and then stop approving and pulling them yeah, to reject them up front. That's not ambiguous. That's the, that's the problem. Like they're also approving stuff and then sure. pulling it and then so I, then I, coming back on it because other people like yeah, I don't want to be the person that's like jumping to Apple's defense here. Um I think there's heaps that Apple could do to make life easier for developers. Completely. Well, I think there's heaps they could So do. the other reason and the other reason that I I think that like you can't just take today extensions like by themselves is because there's a larger context around the thing that actually people are actually talking about. People aren't just talking about today extensions. They are talking about them because they are very pertinent and there are a lot of them getting rejected or whatever. 
uh, and a lot of them are beat by you know developers who have an audience, and so therefore you know an uproar begins. But there is other there are other apps like, for instance, Panic, who again large audience, but completely separate to the Today yeah, View, yeah. where there are ambiguous things being provided by Apple, and then Apple say, ah, uh, actually, no, you can't do that. Gonna pull it. Yeah. Uh actually, maybe maybe you can do that because, well, we heard how everybody is complaining because we've removed it or whatever reason that they have. Like that, there, there is yeah. a lot of ambiguous stuff going on with Apple sure. and rejecting apps at the moment, and it's happened before, and it's going to happen again, and it's really annoying, and it's really annoying, and everybody's going to talk about it, and they're yeah. going to talk it to death because that's what pod, yeah. that's what people do, <laughs> and we're we're adding to it, and we're I, adding. To I it. guess I didn't want to add to it, but you, <laughs> I you, know, I dragged, you I dragged you kicking and screaming. I guess um. I agree with all of that. The only thing that I wanted to add, and I you think have- I've added, is that I, I think it, we're not completely in the dark. Like, yes, Apple could be clearer, and wouldn't it be great if there were better mechanisms rather than submitting an app to the App Store and having it pulled? Like, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could submit an idea to uh, for an app or an idea for a but feature? But you can, you could, it- you can get in touch with, you can get in touch with your your developer relations person. You can get in touch with Apple. You yeah. can find, you can. I think what they end up saying is, them. um, they might give you some advice about how compatible that idea, how safe it is. But the ultimate arbiter is the app review team. So even if someone yeah. said that seems like a good idea, do it or oh, that seems like you're on the edge of something, I'd be careful. I think, I think, well, I mean. Everybody who has a developer, what's the word? Program membership. Yes. Everybody who has a developer program membership gets two technical support, technical requests. support requests a year. But that's a different team again. No, but they can be, um, and yeah, sure, they can be used to, to discuss with somebody from Apple whether or not you can do an app. And I'm pretty sure I've heard of people doing this before. But yes, you were right. The other the, the problem, one of the major problems with this is, some, and this is something that's already been talked about before, and... I don't really want to go into it, but it kind of has to be said. The problem is also that there are multiple different teams that are involved in any part of the app, like the yeah. app process. You can talk to the app review team. I've emailed them. They've got a contact form on the website and you can tell them what you want to contact them about. And if you pick other and write, I've written to them with a question like this. I've written to them saying, thinking of developing an app with this particular feature, don't know if it would be in lines with the guidelines or not. And they called me and we talked about it. Oh, that's pretty good. At the end of the day, though, it's not until you actually submit it and it goes through review that but you it's get never the final going decision. To be. Like even if but you, you, can, they you have, get an indication, sure. But even then, like you, you never like even if they have what you are suggesting of having a thing where you can submit an app idea and they like they never like that is never the no they'll always thing right. It's it's always gonna like it's still always going to be ambiguous and it's still always going to be a problem there. And the other thing that we can do as like if we want to be pragmatic pragmatic about it is submit the apps where we think it's borderline, submit it early, like really, really early and just do a minimum development to get it working, submit it and see what the response is. Because, and I think we've talked about that before. Yeah. Like bef- prior to test flight ever being available, one of the things that we that I've done uh, was when I, my betas are at a point at which I am happy with, like I'm happy that they could possibly go out on the store, mm. I submit it. And I would let I let it go review through review. I obviously check the box to you know hold for developer release, set the date really far in the future, and then once it actually goes through review and passes review, if I'm not going to actually release it, then I reject it myself because you can do that even after it passes review, and just submit it like submit it 
early so mm. that you can kind of go, okay, well, this is going, this has obviously gotten through app review. It also is like part of the benefit of that is you can do things like your final build, um, your final thing that's that you think is going to be the one. You yeah. can submit that when you push it out to your beta testers, and that way you can um, like get a spot in the queue. You can have your spot in the queue. You ha- can have it already, like while your beta testers are coming up with any sort of final last minute bugs. You can have it through review. But the other thing is, is if you're going to have an app where you're thinking it could possibly be problematic, it doesn't quite go with what Apple is saying, which like, again is still a problem. Like you've got a today widget that doesn't have anything to do with today. Yeah, but even then, it's still like some of the some of the text about this stuff is not is not particularly straightforward, even yeah. if it is today. But that's. Today is kind of a very pedantic way of looking at it. It's not pedantic. It it's pedantic. at the top of the screen. What does that say? Let's this, this not argue about it. <laughs> like I don't want to get into that. It's you can push. Like I want this to be actually useful. I don't want this to be just Jake rants about today extensions. The thing is, I don't necessarily think it is unambiguous. There is lots of things that are ambiguous about the whole process. Maybe not specifically about today views. Uh, widgets, extensions, whatever. Maybe today view today extensions are supposed to be were supposed to be should be about things that are relevant to today, now, the present, the current time, the near future. That being said, there has been still ambiguity, yeah. and it's ter- it completely sucks that they let things through and then pull them. Like, right, that's and terrible. That's what everybody's complaining about. Just to be yeah. clear, but. And I mean, obviously, this this kind of affects people that are listening. It affects us. It affects yeah. people that are you know trying to submit apps. But I think the I think the best kind of thing about like the best thing, way to deal with this is not to get all uproary about it or you know side with your you know insert name here developer that you happen to follow on Twitter and really enjoy or or anything like that. I think like. It's it's kind of the the thing where just bounce off it, take another take another angle, take yeah. another like you're going to like you're going to run into a wall. It's just like when you're programming, you run into a wall, you find a way around it. Yeah. You find you find another so, path. And I this think- is the thing, the thing that we're saying about this is kind of leads back to stuff that we were talking about last week with, um, with like trying to find a way around other. Yeah, possibilities, and that's what we. And like, I was, was going to really make make that same point that um, the plat- platform is pushed forward by people trying to find ways that probably are against the spirit of the rules, or again, maybe might not be exactly what Apple had in mind. And sometimes it seems like Apple then responds to that and goes, "Oh, we didn't really think of all of these other useful bits of functionality that don't relate to today." Right. Maybe we should have control center widgets. And then maybe in iOS 9 we'll see, you know, like I think that there's a, a smart light company, like is it Philips Hue or LifeX, LifeX, that have a today widget that lets you turn on and off lights. Mm. That's kind of awesome because um, I don't want the app that controls my lights to be so far that I've got to unlock my phone, find the icon to launch it, launch it, and then tap turn on the light. So, you know, the today view is really, really convenient because you can pull it down without unlocking your phone and then the next tap you can do something. Hmm. That's awesome. I know why everyone wants to have a widget there because it's so useful. Um, 
I think Apple have made a mistake by trying to constrain it to things that just relate today. Um, and so as a result, people are trying to shoehorn other things in and hopefully the response will be in an update we'll get control center widgets or yep. we'll get arbitrary lock screen widgets because um, that does seem to be what kind of happens. But I think you're right. You've got to be – I don't think everyone getting up in arms about it is the way to go. I think it's kind of like you've got to expect that you, if you are kind of pushing the bounds a little bit of what the definition is, that there's a chance that this sort of thing will happen, I guess. Um, that that was the only thing I guess I wanted to rant about was I don't think it's entirely unexpected um, when apps that are pushing the boundaries a little bit um, end up going across them and getting pulled. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I I don't think there is a lot of people that will agree with you out there as far as it's unexpected. I know I'm kind of ambiguous on that. Ben, you've been very quiet. I actually think you make a very good point. And I hadn't considered it before. And it is much less ambiguous than I had previous con- previously considered. Oh, I've convinced someone. <laughs> That's okay. I, I can stop now. I didn't. I, I realize now I didn't have to convince the whole internet. Just one person will suffice. You just wanted to convince Ben. Anyone. Anyone would do. <laughs> you could have just called Ben. <laughs> if I had a cat, that probably would have. I would have been satisfied with that. <laughs> You can't convince cats for anything. That's Let me true. just give you that <laughs> that piece of advice. That's true. Look, I I think to try and make yeah make this somewhat useful and like yeah take I mean if you're going to be and and kind of in like an extension to last week I I can't I'm terrible tonight pun. yeah I'm mm-hmm. terrible tonight uh, I can't think of the actual word so I'm going to go with the pun. Um, you know, to kind of follow on from what we were talking about last week about the stuff where, like, about you know, trying to use the things that you have to create the things that you want to have. Hmm. Like, it kind of follows in that. But it, like, if you're going to do that, you've got to if you have to expect that there is a possibility that Apple's going to say no, we don't want that. Yeah. Um. But that being said, don't. don't I mean, don't stop doing that. That's how we push the platform forward. And I kind of think WatchKit extensions might be a good candidate for functionality that... So the light bulb turning on off thing. Yes, I, I hear think you that's want a to good create one. something like that. Yeah, I reckon that would be a good... Like, I think that whilst today extensions might be about surfacing stuff relevant to today, I don't think there's anything specifying that sort of limit for Watch. No, but there are other limits about, for WatchKit. Oh, there's hell, a lot of limits, but I think... um. And also, I shouldn't have to buy a five hundred dollar watch to yeah to turn a light on fast on my phone. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's incredibly true. Um, although it's funny, isn't it? I've heard. Uh, I think Apple have got screenshots of the remote app for controlling your Apple TV from your watch, mm-hmm. and I, I hold out a huge amount of hope that that actually might be can much quicker and more convenient than using the remote app on my well, phone yeah, for those exact same reasons. But then like could could they not have a, could they not have a widget in like a, an extension in the remote app on your phone that is run from somewhere like I don't know, you know, a uh, a generic widget launching <laughs> displaying area like control center. I don't know. Yep. But the thing is these things that people do that push the definition of what today means quote today yep. by putting a calculator in the today view 
they might be like it might be looked at as being pedantic to remove them it might be looked at as you know being you know kind of being outside of the the rules by apple it doesn't it doesn't really matter this sort of thing pushes the app store forward it mm. makes it it makes the the platform better for everyone yeah but do you, do same- you think this sort of wrestle like you look at a different platform like android where there isn't this kind of battle between developers trying to push the vendor to add functionality and the vendor trying to constrain it and saying, no, 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 this is like with the i with iPhone, it's always been that way. Originally, there weren't third party apps and developers were like, we want to be able to put apps on it. Apple's like, no, 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 you can put web pages. But all the apps are our apps. And then eventually Apple's like, okay, you can have apps. But they can't do anything ever. And then, you know, you get what I'm getting at. There's this to and fro, this battle. Yes. Do you think it helps? I kind of feel like it does. I feel like what we end up getting is a greater amount of functionality, but tempered with like a co- coherent design, like Apple, the ones, but in their limiting, and they're saying a thousand no's for every yes, you end up with a product that is clearer about what it is. Well, you also get, you also get like the benefit of things like um, Android, where you can do a lot of things. You also have the problem of that you can do a lot of things. Um, and by that I mean like developers who are not necessarily as uh as trustworthy as Ben um do nasty things like you know develop malware etc like there you know people create malware people create viruses people do things that are mm. nasty with like with with various apps and I mean I'm not saying that that's the android store that's not that's clearly not the case please don't hate me Russell um but you know, the, the, there is. I think there are benefits to having the closed platform, and there are also benefits to having the open platform. Yeah. But there are cons to both as well. Yeah. And I think part of the part of the thing about the Apple platform is that we are held back quite significantly for for things like the fact that we can't do things for a long time. We couldn't do things in the background. We couldn't do things. Uh, we couldn't do things outside of our app uh, where that existed elsewhere. But I think at the same time, when we're pushing it forward, we're pushing it the forward in the ways that we want we have a lot of control over where the where the platform goes next mm. the downside of that of course is that when you live on that edge and when you are trying to push the platform forward and even if you don't think you're actually pushing the platform forward you're just kind of doing a thing and it ends up that you get rejected from it for it or whatever you, there is a possibility that it's not going to it's not going to make it through or it's going to get pulled or something like that and that kind of sucks yeah but keep doing it because it's amazing and you keep pushing the platform forward so, you know, I don't use Peacock, but I'm very thankful for Peacock because I think Peacock will actually, you know, have caused something that will possibly make the platform better. And I'm happy about that, hmm. even if it isn't relevant today. But you know what is relevant to today? Our show notes. Because they're relevant to this episode. We should do an extension. Yeah. Yeah. You go to our website and there's not an extension. It's just a website. It is mobilecouch.co forward slash 47, all the links to show notes and various other things that we have collected for you in regards to today will be there. (laughs) I'm so funny. And uh, other things as well. You can get in touch with us. You can tell us how horrible this episode was, or you can tell us how amazing it was and how we should let Jake rant all the time if you email us. Send an email to hello at mobilecouch.co uh, or you can jump on our website. That's mobilecouch.co forward slash contact. 
Do you notice how I say forward slash? I, I tried saying slash once and it just didn't, didn't, didn't sound right. I don't know why. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with us individually, you can do that. Jake is on Twitter. You can follow him. Or just tweet at me to tell me I'm wrong. He is Jay McMullen. That's J-M-A-C-M-U-L-L-I-N. Ben is not here. I'm pretty sure he's either gone to sleep or is off working. But he's on Twitter. You can tweet at him. That's Ben Trengrove. B-E-N-T-R-E-N-G-R-O-V-E. What? Did you say something? <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect response. I am on Twitter as well. I am Jelly Bean Soup. J-E-L-L-Y-B-E-A-N-S-O-U-P. Thank you all for listening. It was amazing to talk to you. It's been, ama- it's been an amazing year. And uh, this is the last one for the year. Oh, have a happy and enjoyable and safe festive season. Happy holidays for whatever happy, holiday you Happy New Year. Your... Yeah, and New Year. Unless you're Chinese. They have New Year some other time, don't they? I don't know. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you said whatever, whatever festive... Uh, celebrations that you are enjoying over the next few, two weeks, three weeks, whatever. Uh, please enjoy them. Have a happy festive season and uh, enjoy your new year and or not new year. I should write some regex for this or something. <laughs> whatever applies to you, please choose from the options above and in, and do so. And we will see you in 2015. Until then. Bye. Bye. Bye.